I title this one, Back Over and Forward Again. And we're gonna look at the Christmas story again. There's your back over and then forward again. We're gonna look at the Christmas story. Um, in part because last year, I think, was maybe the first time Mike asked me to teach and, or he started talking about it and I thought, well, it'd be a good idea to have a sermon in my back pocket if I ever get called up here to teach. And, and so I started thinking uh, in my current circumstances, it was last year, what, what could I teach on? And, and last year at Christmas, uh, we had a great holiday and everything was going along normally for a holiday and for a Christmas day. And right when the presents were done being opened, um, it's like the air was let out of the room. It just stopped. And, and I was sitting on my couch and I, I was caught off guard. I, it, it just hit me like, like all the wind was taken out of my sails. We were moving, we were going, we were doing, and then the last presents opened and, and Tara and Elodie were about the apartment doing their thing and I just, I had nothing for a little bit there. And probably for about an hour and a half, two hours, I, I sunk into a bit of a depression, I'll call it that. And I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't my foundation, I knew it wasn't the truth, but I didn't know um, how to counter it, I guess you could say. And I didn't expect it, it was just totally off guard again. And so I, I wrestled for about an hour to two hours fighting this, this inward groaning, uh, this inward loss as it was perceived. And, and the Lord kind of brought me through it. I think I probably called Paul and prayed with him and talked with him. And, uh, and I just had to get on another piece of ground spiritually or emotionally, something else to set up and, and depend on or, or, or survey from. I don't know how, how to put it, but I, I needed to transition from where I was. That was for darn sure. And uh, this year, I, I, I wanted to not have that happen again. So I hope you guys all had a very good holiday. It's been, it's been a rough one. It hasn't been all joy and tidings and greetings and peace on earth and all of those things we really, really, really desire. Um, being part of the prayer team, you know, reports coming through. It has been, uh, it's been really difficult. There's been a lot of, a lot of hard things happening to several folks, and a little bit I think in our own family here and there. And so, anyways. Um, <clears throat> I want to. I want to. I want to move forward, and but I wanted to. I wanted to treat. Uh, I guess last year maybe is when it, the idea came to me. I wanted to treat my depression by looking literally at the characters of the Bible of the Christmas story and what did they do immediately after Christ was born. 
maybe find an example of something I could imitate. Because that was a major event. And it came with all kinds of expectations and maybe even assumptions, um, definitely expectations, especially when you start talking about the birth of the Messiah to a nation who's been all quiet for over 100 or 200 something years in their um, connection to God and, 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 and the tangible, real time, real day manner. I mean, they were just kind of going through the motions over a course of time and then all of a sudden this fresh topic of the birth of the Messiah comes up. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a flashpoint. That's gonna, that's gonna ignite some things. And, and uh, so there's this generated excitement and enthusiasm as we know in the story. Um, several of those things that were exciting about that um, announcement are absolutely documented in the story. I'm going to go ahead and read through it. And I'm going to read, I mean, this is, this is going to milk the, the sermon out for sure. I'm going to read <laughs> Matthew 2, and I'm going to read Luke 2, 6 through 38. You guys can turn in your Bibles, and that'd be awesome. And read along. I'm reading, I think, NIV. I got chastised for, not chastised. I got corrected in reading, maybe that's what it is. I've got ESV, I think NET was what I had up at one point. And that was back when Jordan was preaching. Jordan's like, hey, have you guys checked out the NET? And I'm like, no. It has some neat little highlight features, but it's worded a little differently. And I was, I was reading some scripture to Mike, and he said, what version is that? No, 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 don't use that, don't use that. Jordan thought it was cool. <laughs> um, anyways, outing my pastors. Um, Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And it's quoted by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod Summoned the, wise, summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, 
they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, obviously before he died, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years and under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Man, it's still heavy. <clears throat> but when Herod died, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he, Jesus, would be called a Nazarene. Boom, that's Matthew. We're going to go storming through Luke here. Luke 2, 6 through 38. Back over the Christmas story. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Mary, this is. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, 
the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have, prepared, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, Phanuel, P-H-A-N-U-E-L, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So that's it. That's back over. Pretty amazing stuff when you look at it. No shortage of Firepower, amazing works, fantastic things happening all over the place. Um, some examples there are in Matthew 2 and even back in Matthew part uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 23, there are five prophecies that are mentioned at the, at the end of different sections. In Matthew 2, 6, Matthew 2, 15, 217, 223, 123. We could probably go over those here real quick. Matthew 2 6, there's the prophecy when the chief priests and scribes, they were being hit up by Herod about news. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A prophecy of a ruler coming and this announcement of a king. Herod catching wind of all of that. Uh, prophecy in 2.15 being fulfilled. Um, as Joseph has to take his family into Egypt, he's on the run. Out of Egypt I have called my son. A prophecy that that they would be in danger and that they would have to be in Egypt. That, that's how that was going to come about. I mean, the prophecy was out of Egypt, I have called my son. There, 
may not be a prophetic description as to how he got there and why he would have to come out of Egypt. But interesting. In 2.17, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah in regards actually to the, the tragedy. There it is, actually, that answers that question. Uh, the tragedy that, that drove Joseph and, and Mary and their baby into Egypt is that a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in a loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there they are no more. So we, we have a danger component in all of this miraculous, powerful, amazing things popping off left and right. There's, there's this this potential, this possibility, this agent of destruction trying to stop that which was destined to become. Now the prophecy there um, in Matthew 2.23, when Joseph again has to change course, instead of going directly into Israel, he has to detour off into Nazareth and the prophet is fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. And as I mentioned back in Matthew 1, right there, 23, that's the virgin birth. Prophecy. Firepower. Wows and and amazing miracles happening. Other amazing things there, we have the witness of, of a star, quote-unquote star. There's some discussion as to literal star in the heavens versus strange floating orb here in our earthly plane. Um, there in 2-2, where is uh, Matthew 2-2, where is the Jew who has been born king of the Jews for we saw his star. And and what I'm doing is, is I'm, I'm taking a look at the the, the big, I don't know how to describe them. They're just the bigger things that are leading up and surrounding the birth of Christ, these big things. These, these, my little dilemma about Christmas Day and the presents and the running around and making sure everybody has what, they, what I want to give them and the pressure to maybe buy more, et cetera, et cetera. It pales in comparison to the, the wows and, 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 and fantastic Scenarios that are happening here, but but I I still still am going to compare the two because they were expectations. They were they were big deals. In the holiday season, we get pretty ramped up. We make it a big deal. We make it a big deal to celebrate, and 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 I'm not saying that's wrong, um, but what I am saying is is that uh, doing all of that with a maybe a presupposed expectation or, or maybe an unseen, unassumed expectation that maybe you're not even aware of. I wasn't aware that, that, that all of a sudden things were just gonna um, lose meaning there for a couple hours. No, no idea that was gonna happen. Otherwise, I, I would have prepared for it like I did this year. Um, we're about to get our birthday guest coming in here, by the way. Um, Sasha, birthday is today. We're going to sing her happy birthday after or before dinner, but they're here now. 
Good morning. Here comes my guy. Royal, good morning. Hello. Good morning. So, uh, as I was saying, there's, there's these big things that are happening around Christmas, uh, the birth of Christmas, and, and I'm comparing them to, to maybe our own lives, and I'm trying to look uh, at, at God's intention for having all of these things happen, and, um, and the people's response, uh, the people in and around these events, what their response is to them. And I'm doing this selfishly, therapeutically for me because I'm trying to figure out what do I do after a big thing? What am I supposed to do? What's my response, response supposed to be like? It certainly isn't to be depressed. Um, and so the major events, prophecies, a star, another big major event, a host of angels, as described uh, there in Luke with the shepherds and the angels coming to shepherds and sharing this great bit of information to them. And then you have Joseph being guided uh, via dreams. That's a big deal. And then there is the revelation to Simeon in Luke 2.26 being fulfilled, a promise fulfilled. And then I think this is sweet and it is a big deal but it could almost be glanced over as not but you look at Anna there in uh, in Luke Verses, uh, Luke 2, verses 36 to 38. You see, she gets an answer to her prayer. It's kind of a big deal. I know when I get a very specific answer for a prayer, it is the weight of the world. So we have all these big events, and then I want to look at, I want to look at the responses in the midst of all of those events. Talk about those here a little bit. The first response I have listed is Herod schemed. In chapter two, Matthew two, verse seven, seven, we've got Herod working the, um, the opportunistic advantages uh, out of fear or you know, why the guy, I don't know, there's some, there's some history about him. Pretty insecure jerk, I think is a good place to start with him. And so he's working the political angles or the, the, the elbow rubbing angles with these guys. Hey, let me know what you guys find out so I can worship him too. Wink, wink, you know. Um, I think he's even more of a punk because he, he could have picked any other false motivation for wanting to, to go see Jesus or this newborn king. But he, he said, uh, so that I can go worship him also. It's almost like he knew that's what he was supposed to do in a way. 
Or maybe maybe he's just slipping in and the guy said, hey, I'm going to do what you guys are doing. I'm going to go worship this guy too. This is, you know, fake it. Um, but that was his response to these amazing events, schemed. And I suppose... There are those in, that aren't necessarily Herods of our day, but there are, there's part of the, the sinful nature that, that resorts to that, uh, even during the holidays. People, or the struggle to um, be so afraid of what you've accumulated that you wouldn't want to, that, that you would constantly feel that that thing was under threat um, and that somebody else isn't worthy or honorable to let you maybe even keep it. Somebody who has more power um, automatically being assumed as a threat to their, uh, by Herod is just really indicative of of his own corruption inwardly. Um, somebody's telling him, perhaps at that time, maybe the enemy in his ears telling him, he's gonna take it all away. You better protect it, you better keep it. In fact, the only way to keep it is to, to kill all your challengers. We've seen that kind of stuff throughout history with world leaders or nations and governments. Anytime they get that foothold in there and all of a sudden they're worried about a challenger, they. They just kill them off. Um, it's a heck of a heck of a chess move in the in the political sphere for sure. Um, and a terrible response at that. Uh, we have other responses of these great events around them. We have the Magi heeding a warning, which is the wise thing to do. Um, you know, after finding the baby. Yeah, they're warned in the dream to not return to Herod. It appears that, that even God knows that Herod is beyond um, course correction at this point. And he's just going to go ahead and let his thing play out and do his own darn death. Um, but he tells the Magi, hey, great things are happening. Boom, bang, pow. You saw it. Don't go back to the king. The Magi, I think as Mike described them, and as I kind of interpret them, and they're kind of like hipster Rastafarians. That's what Mike was trying to infer, that they were really into the latest and greatest, and they're like, hey, nobody else knows about this really cool star over there, and this story attached to the star, but we do. So yeah, let's go check it out. Yeah, we don't have any responsibilities. Mom, Dad got the bills covered, let's go. Sorry, that's my own, that's my own touch on that, sorry. Sorry, hipsters. Um, I'm just playing. Um, so the Magi, they, 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 they get the message and they don't go. And then, of course, that, that could have been God's plan to bring Herod down anyways and just go ahead, just finish yourself off here, get, get good and mad and give us all a reason to get rid of you, I don't know. But definitely... That ticked him off that the Magi did not come back to him to help his little scheme come together. Um, we look at probably one of, probably, I've got this response tied 
with another response, and I'll get to that personally, but um, personally and therapeutically based off of last year, which I've explained. But this response, um, and there, there are so many examples, it's, it's the obedience of Joseph. Um, such a fantastic series of examples to look at. Um, just evidence of, of what simple obedience looks like. And it's a, it's a great... Um, it's a great example of, of something that I try to do that Paul Shaner has taught me. Um, and that is just do the next indicated thing. And anybody can, anybody can do that in their faith. If you don't have the, the fill in the blank answer to your question and you're really caught up in something. I mean, Joseph is, he's along for the ride here, folks. <laughs> it, I think he, he, if it were up to him, I think at one point in time he was like, you know what, I'll just miss her quietly and go back and do my next thing or whatever it is. But no, Jesus is like, nah, it's going to go this way, bud. Are you with me? And Joseph's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's obey. Let's follow suit to the, to the order from on high. And God is telling him, telling him, you know, through these visions and these dreams. So what I'm saying is, is Joseph... He's just in yes sir mode, I think, in a lot of ways. He just, he's just doing the next indicated thing. Joseph, get up. Whoop. Joseph, grab your wife and kid and go. Whoop, whoop, gone. You know, there's, there's, there's not a leeway. There's not a lot of uh, lateral activity there. Joseph is doing the next indicated thing out of obedience. And I just admire that. Because that's what happens when big things come that are outside of your control and you don't have the fill in the blank answer or God hasn't given you a solution or maybe God's not putting you in a place to confront this big thing that's on its way, this tidal wave of, of events. Just do the next indicated thing. God shows you. Love your, love your family. Love your fellow man. You know, honor him short list, long list of responsibilities, whatever those are, just do those things. God will take you baby stepping right past that tidal wave if that's, if that's what is required. That's where he has you. And I just find that such an encouragement. And I think that's, that's right there with, with what got me through last year and has gotten me through a few things um, over the years. You know what? Presents are over. What's, what's the next thing I need to do? I need to do some chores, maybe. I need to serve my wife a little bit. I need to figure out dinner. You know, there's little things that add up to, to bigger things. Let's start a new snowball, if you will. Um, I mean, it was so complex what he was, what he was thrown into here from Matthew 124, where it's, he's kind of getting the, the pre-script for what's gonna happen, the pre-game, this is how it's gonna play out. And then on through Matthew 215, where um, yeah, where he has to pick up shop and go into Egypt to move in again in, uh, in 2.20, outrunning uh, a malicious, violent king. 
something very uh, Western movie about that, packing up and trying to outrun the bad guy till the till the hero arrives on scene when the hero is actually a infant. <laughs> um, one of the other responses. I'm going to jump forward to Simeon. If we look at Simeon, what does Simeon do in the wake of all of these mass events and how can his example aid us in ours? Uh, Simeon calls it a life. I thought that was interesting. No big deal there, just, hey, I'm good. I'm ready to die now, Lord. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for coming through. Um, it's, a, it's a form of gratitude. It's a very special appreciative because Simeon had been hanging on for a while on a promise. And I'm sure it tested his patience. I'm sure he, if he was half, half as human as all of us are, which I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm, I'm sure he had that inner back and forth about it. Is, is this going to happen? Because at, at that point, he says, ah, now I can... Now I can go peacefully. It's, it's been concluded for him. He has peace about it. And he, and he expresses that gratitude that, that thank you, Lord, you have, you have done for me what you said you were going to do. And that kind of marries into Anna and the shepherds. Both examples of after... This big deal happens, they give thanks. The shepherds in Luke 2.20, it says, flip back and forth, 2.20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they were told, and this great thing happens and they get to go and take a look and see that it actually happened and, and after pieces move and people move and, and things change I mean it's, it's not like they set up shop in Bethlehem to, to hang out there for you know a long time afterward they, they came and they saw it and they went away and they returned glorifying and praising God I think how precious and special that must have been for them. And I thought it's interesting that God would choose to bestow that upon shepherds, probably a, a blue collar worker, dirty, undesirable job late in the night, you know. Could have been a baker, could have been candlestick maker, could have been anybody doing any sort of thing at that point in time in history. But definitely people who were not often thought of. <clears throat> you know, it's not like God gave this special message to the city council or anybody. He gave to the, the unknowns, your garbage man. I mean, in a way, the guys that roll out there at night that are doing work uh, you don't think about. And uh, he says, hey, come check this out. And they get to go over there and they get to see it. I mean, can you imagine? 
you're doing your job. So angel shows up, hey, leave, leave what you're doing here. Come check this thing out. It's going to be just like this. First of all, whoa, there's an angel here. Freaky, what? Just out here working. Well, yeah, it's not, and it's not just one. I mean, imagine you're with a group of people because they're all in this thing together. I'm like, oh, what? Angel just showed up and told us to check this thing out. Why wouldn't you go check it out? The angel didn't hurt you, right? He told you not to be afraid. Okay. That's only going to go up from here. So you leave your job site and go and check this thing out. And sure enough, it's just like the way the angel told you. I mean, yeah, the gratitude. Some severe excitement. <laughs> just some enthusiasm to be on the inside track with God's plan. Precious. And then Anna also gives thanks. I had not paid attention to Anna very much until I started studying for this. I started hammering on my sermon yesterday. Anna. Oh, I know a gal that used to come to our church named Anna. I wonder if she was named after Anna. And I was reading her story. And I gave her a little bit more time in my mind, a little more consideration. There was a prophetess, Anna. Sounds exotic. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. That time window is all about. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, some very keen timing, she walks into this dedication ceremony with Simeon. All of her prayers, and fasting for what's 84 minus 7? 67? 77. 77 years, maybe? She's worshiping and fasting and praying. And she gets she gets to see, as Simeon does, imagine this. He's a Older folks sitting in a temple somewhere. Wonder if he's ever gonna show. Wonder if he's ever gonna show. Simeon God told me he'd be here. This woman praying and fasting all these years. That's a lot of time. I'm up here for a couple of hours. Can you imagine sitting here for years and years and years and we're just sitting around looking at each other? God said he's coming back. He told me. Any day. Whenever God chooses. Just sit with that. Do some more praying and fasting. I mean, how do you how do you sit and wait that long? I probably would check out and go be distracted. And then maybe come back to it. Oh yeah, that's right. We're supposed to be praying. So these two people up there in age waiting for a payoff moment and it finally happens. And Anna gives thanks. 
And then she goes to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There was gunpowder there and Anna gets to, she gets to light the match, she gets to be the spark. All of these people are waiting. Some really big events. And the responses to these big events are gratitude, obedience, heeding warning, or scheming. What's also mostly the point here, and this is what Mike really wants through the hermeneutics, and I praise God, thank you Lord, for answering the prayer. For letting me chip away enough to, to, to derive a result here. The point of preaching the word is to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel. It's not to be up here to tell you that I struggle with depression on Christmas day. It's not to hand out advice. It slightly is to, I think, to look at God's word and notice things that maybe you didn't notice before. And I like talking about those things. It inspires me to know that God's word is fresh and interesting and mysterious and, and amazing. Um, The tie-in to to this is the gospel. Because what you have is God behaving in God ways by sending prophecies and angels and stars and dreams and revelations and answers to prayer, big things that only God can do on this side over here. And you've got a bunch of people over here that are just pretty much you and me, we're, we're people. We're regular, everyday, got our thing to do people. And that's, that's what these folks are. And I think on that Christmas day when I was trying to move from a room of empty presence into something next and amazing, I wanted that void filled with something really amazing. But it was gonna be a regular, normal, and I'll even call it what it might have been, mundane task, pick up some trash, pretty mundane. My point is, is I, I wanted, and I do want, and I think we all do, we're, we wanna see God do amazing things, one after the other after the other, in all of our lives, and over all the things that we're concerned with, and all the different things that we pertain to, and I think these people did too. Now all of Jerusalem's waiting for their savior, their Messiah to boom, stick it to the Romans and have their thing in a great and magnificent way, a peace 
for them and for all of these major things. God is wise. And I'm not going to argue with him, but man, does he pick a different way of getting it done. His peace is not the peace that we all think things need to be shaped up for and to have. And his, his connecting back to people is not... It's not one big miraculous fell swoop thing. It's not going to be a flood. It's not going to be a wipeout of all mankind. It's going to be a one by one, heart by heart, soul transformation through Jesus Christ. And it's not a big fell swoop. It's not like Jesus says, hey, here I am, whole world before me, let's go. Yes or no? It's not. He works differently with everybody's individual circumstances. Shepherds over here doing their thing. Anna over here doing her thing. Joseph over here doing his thing. Darn it if Herod probably didn't get a chance in there somewhere. It's not in the Bible, but we know God is just and fair, merciful. I don't doubt. I don't think that God, I mean, he even gave Pharaoh a chance. Come on, man. Don't do this. The story is the gospel though. All of these amazing things that God is articulating and doing that meets our regular human lives and all our individual activities is connected through his centerpiece of his son, Jesus Christ. All of these little stories, this whole thing, it just blows my mind that everything I'm trying to pull out of God's word with Mike's little tool set that he's given me that I have no idea how to use. There it is all at the end showing me. Look, it's all because of the centerpiece of Christ. This, this reconnecting of God the Father in heaven with his creation. That's us, the Gentiles. We're in there too. I, I think I hit that and I just noticed it. Um, I didn't see it yesterday. God is connected to us again. And, and he uses our next indicated thing. He uses our, our gratitude. He uses our jobs, our talents, our gifts. Our gifts. There was the Magi giving their gifts. He uses all of that. All of that stuff without him is just an occupation to be occupied by or occupied with. It's a, it's a shallow distraction, all of this striving to be without just an eternal purpose or meaning. So I thank God for that. Does that make sense, you guys? I sure hope so, because that's the end of my sermon right there.